This episode wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Perch. Perch is a little content management system for projects where you don't want a big, complex CMS. We'll tell you more about Perch later in the show. This is Unfinished Business, the show that talks about the business end of web, design and creative industries. This is episode 25 and today is Friday the 28th of June 2013. Is this our 25th anniversary? It is. Is that golden? I don't know. No, I should know really because next year it's Sue and, ours, Sue and I's 25th wedding anniversary. Oh. Can you believe that? Wow, you've been married longer than I've been alive. That's, I was going to say, that's older than... Don't make me feel old. Oh, <laughs> no. I like doing yeah. that. 25 years. So, I, I don't know. I think the great train robber's got less than that. <laughs> Shouldn't really say things like that, should I? <laughs> I no tell you what, I'm st- I am stiff. Oh. Because I got a personal trainer. I decided that I could not be fat anymore. <laughs> fat and unfit. So um, so we've got a personal trainer who comes once a week and inflicts misery upon me. So it's just only been two weeks. I'm thinking, oh no, is it Thursday again? <laughs> it's just Honestly. punishment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good though. It is good. I mean, I like doing floor exercises and I like doing kind of strengthy things. You know, lifting stuff. And I don't mind doing a step, but I tell you what, bloody star jumps. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did a minute of those yesterday and felt a little bit green afterwards. I had to have a bit of an old man sit down. <laughs> Cause I haven't done any actual exercise since I was about 11, I think. Because I didn't do PE at school ever. Why not? My mum, my because I was crap. My mum wrote me a note. I hated being outside. I was like the, the most unsporty person that you can possibly see. Um, and uh, I once hurt my neck. I remember this. <laughs> and I had to go to an osteopath. And um, he gave me a note to get me off PE. And we just kept photocopying it. And uh, I didn't do PE <laughs> at school at all. That's, that's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Um, I did, I just went and did something else. So yeah, so I'm very, very, very unsporty and unfit. And I really, <laughs> man, you should see me trying to do like, a, they call them pendulums. Do you do any exercise? No. You probably don't need to because you're skinny, right? But anyway, you've got to move your arms and your legs in different directions at the same time. <laughs> Matt, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I mean, cause I don't think I've, I can't remember the last time I went dancing. I mean, I just never. Um, so I am the world's most uncoordinated person. I'm, I'm trying to imagine someone trying to move their arms and legs. Do you like sit on something and swing them? No, no, no. You're supposed to um, like put one up and one down and then the other side, one up and one down. I mean, I, I can't even visualize it. <laughs> and then we do this other thing. We're supposed to do this other thing where... You're supposed to like pull, imagine that you're pulling down with your arms from the ceiling and at the same time lifting a knee. Man, you should see me doing that. I cannot get this. I really, I don't like the, um, the cardio stuff at all. It makes me green. But anyway, I'm good, determined to get fit. I am determined to get fit. He says, I had to confess to her what I've been eating in Germany this week. <laughs> all the fried food to talk about that in a minute, but yeah, bad. But so yeah, so I've been, I've been training, I've been working out. 
I'm going to get my gorgeous physique back. Oh. No, do you know what? I never had a gorgeous physique. You've been away. I have, yeah. San Francisco. I like how, because you, you got Brad on the show last week, and mm. were you waiting until about half an hour in before introducing him? And, yeah, I just wonder how many people were listening and like, oh, Anna sounds a bit rough this week. <laughs> I can't remember why I did that now because we were just talking before you know, we started recording and then it just carried on and at some point it was like, oh, we better start doing the introduction. <laughs> so I did the introduction and then carried on talking and then it didn't occur to me until about 20 minutes in that, hang on a minute, I should introduce this as Brad. You did the same with Laura as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I like to shake it up a bit. You know, when when you're not here, I can just kind of change it around a bit. It's like, you know... <laughs> It's like if I was in your apartment and you went out for the day, I'd, you'd come back and I'd move the furniture around. Yeah, that, I'd just move it straight back. I'd change the pictures on the wall just to get them how I told I you I don't have pictures on my wall. Oh, no, you don't. I forgot about that. I'd stick pictures up <laughs> on your walls. So how was San Francisco? Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was really sunny. Did you, did you go to the place that I told you to go to? Mm, the Cheesecake Factory. The Cheesecake Factory was one. Did you go there? I didn't. Damn. Did you go to the Samovar Tea Room? No. What the hell did you do in San Francisco if you didn't go to those two places? I I went to diners. Um, I went to Twin Peaks. I went to an ice cream place where they make ice cream out of liquid nitrogen. That was really cool. That does sound cool. Yeah, literally. Did you see Alcatraz? No, no, I tried to book on, on Twix, but they book up really quickly. What about the Golden Gate Bridge? Actually, I didn't see that. You did go to San Francisco, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I saw the other bridge. <laughs> I'm not really that Oh, the other bridge? Seeing, oh, like, the Oakland Bridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Bay Bridge, I think it's called it. Or something, I don't know. I haven't been there for years, but I really want to go back. It's really nice. No, it is. It's a lovely city. Oh, and um, I went to the Japan Centre, which is my favourite place on the planet now. Mm, but you didn't find any little Kubricks? No, I, I looked in every single shop. I'm sorry. That's okay. I had a couple delivered this week, but, you know, we don't talk about that. I tried to find just, like, something, anything that was a monkey or an ape, and I couldn't. Oh, well, I didn't you have looked. Anything, except for some really, like, a little tacky key ring that... I couldn't bring myself to buy because it was just so awful. <laughs> <laughs> there is a store. I remember going into a store um, in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco where I bought, this was years ago, I bought some little Beatles figures, the Beatles, mm. you know, John Paul, George and Ringo. And I didn't realise at the time that they were little Kubricks. And it was only when I was looking on eBay a couple of weeks ago that I realised that Ah, that's what they are, and I've still got them in a box somewhere. And they're worth like £65 each. Wow. So I'm, I don't really want them anymore, so I'm going to eBay them and uh, spend the money on apes. Yay! Everybody's a win. I went to Germany <laughs> this week. I flew out to Germany, and uh, man, if my personal trainer could have seen what I was eating. <laughs> um curry versed and fried schnitzel and fried potatoes ah oh, man it's not diet food but I just, I just don't care what's wrong with that well it's not exactly diet food is it it's not like you know sucking on a carrot you made a carrot i made a carrot 
in your little garden? My little allotment box. Um, I was pulling out weeds and since I'm so bad at gardening, I didn't realise that I was actually pulling out things I was trying to grow. Um, and I pulled out a carrot and I was very surprised. <laughs> yeah, so I went over to Germany to do a responsive design workshop for the Smashing magazine, which was really good. Did you um, Did you stay in a hotel? I did stay in a hotel. And you know I stayed in a hotel because I sent you a picture of the soap dispenser. That's our thing now. Whenever I go to a hotel, I'm going to have to report whether or not they have a bar of soap or they have one of these stupid squirty soap things. <laughs> Great. But yeah, it, it did have a bar of soap. It did have a squirty soap in this case. But that was okay because I've taken my um, my own soap with me in its little soap container. And then just to make sure that the Albanian maid doesn't steal it, I every morning I put it in my suitcase out of the way so they can't find it. <laughs> Man, I'm such an old You're man. You're so paranoid. I know, I'm paranoid about my soap. <laughs> but it was it was a good trip. Um, and I got there on a Sunday, and on the Monday evening, we did an informal little meet-up. They'd invited, I don't know, it was about 30 or 40 uh, local web developers and designers and the people that were attending the workshop the following day. So that was really nice. Um, and they put on, there was a beer f- fridge and you know, a little bit of grub. And basically I just talked for two hours. We had this great big conversation. It was great. I, um, I didn't have anything prepared. So. So you just, talked about soap. So I talked about, I didn't actually mention soap. I talked about soap definitely. <laughs> and, uh, and we talked about business stuff, you know, it's just like a general, not really a Q&A even, just like a general kind of conversation um, about business and about how we deal with things and about client work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just talked about business for like two hours. It was great. And I got to tell some stories about all kinds of stuff. I even get to tell stories about when I used to work in a supermarket. That was funny. You used to work <laughs> in a supermarket. Yeah, I mean, not recently. <laughs> Obviously, when I was a tra- when I was a uh, when I was a student, I used to work in a supermarket. Oh man, it's so funny. I was telling this story about this guy because um, I used to work in Sainsbury's, right? When I was oh, Sainsbury's is great. I, I worked there for like two weeks for work experience. Yeah, I worked there for like three years as a student back when I was kind of I don't know. 16, 17, 18, whatever. I worked there for a, a long time. Um, and, you know, students would kind of come and go. And there was this one guy, this one full-time guy that worked in Sainsbury's at the time. His name was James McKechnie. Because obviously, you know, Corby, where I grew up, was like full of Scots, full of Jimmies. And uh, he hated students because he was a full-timer. Sainsbury's was going to be his life, his career, right? Um, and students were like only in there for a few weeks or months or a year or whatever. And then they'd be going off to have a life outside of Corby. Um, so he hated, hated students. He hated me more than all of them because I was such a skiver. <laughs> Cause I mean, I was, I was such a skiver. Anyway, it used to make my life a misery. He used to do that thing where like five minutes before the shift was supposed to end, he'd just come up to me wherever I was and give me a broom and tell me to sweep the shop floor. What's wrong with that? So, well, you know, but you, you can't sweep the shop floor in five, shop floor in five minutes before, you know, before you want to go you, home. Depends how you sweep. Yeah, I know. You have to sweep it well because he was one of these people that if you'd missed just a tiny bit of 
breadcrumb or something on the floor, then you'd have to do the whole lot again. He was one of these kind of like little, uh, little Hitlers. Anyway, funniest thing was, was that I used to, uh, I used to work in the warehouse, um, on a Saturday. And what we, what would happen would be that the, the lorries would come in and we'd, and we'd unload everything and we'd put stuff either on the shop floor or in the warehouse or, um, sometimes in the big freezers where, you know, obviously they keep the frozen goods, ice cream and frozen turkeys, right? And then one day, James McKechnie, was getting a frozen turkey out of the freezer and a 30 pound bird fell off the shelf and hit him on the head. Man, it was a joyous day. <laughs> was <laughs> he, he was okay? car- he was carried unconscious out of the shop. Oh my god. And uh and yeah, I should have written that date in the calendar really. So just so I can remember it's James McKechnie and the t- and the turkey day. <laughs> oh man, it's so funny. I was such a skiver when I worked in Sainsbury's that Ultimately, they offered me management training because <laughs> I'd been there for a while, right? So it would get to that time in an evening where it's like, let's give Andy the broom and make him laugh while we make him watch this, while we make him sweep the shop floor. So I would just go and find three or four other brooms, give them to like the lower down students, <laughs> and then get them to sweep the shop floor, oh. which. To me, that was just delegation. Past. That was skiving, right? But to the management, that's professional um, skiving. It was. It was professional, professional skiving. Um, but yeah, they thought it was delegation, so they they offered me like, "Would you like to be a Sainsbury's manager? Would you like to do Sainsbury's as a career?" I was like, "Nah, don't want to do that." And Imagine now you're a web as... designer. Exactly. Funny how life's little little twists and turns. So yeah, no, I did a kind of crap like that. Um, so yeah, back in the real world, um, there were some really good questions. I mean, mainly about dealing with clients, um, and you know, what it actually is to be in the business of creative services. And I know that, you know, developers might not think they're in a kind of creative services industry, but you know, everybody that provides some kind of product or service in this area, I think is, you know, it's creative services. It doesn't matter whether you're giving somebody a PSD or a piece of code, does it? Um, so a lot of the questions are about, you know, how we handle situations and it was really, really good. Um, and some of the questions were about how much maybe we should explain to clients, um, particularly in relation to, you know, new techniques or, you know, responsive web design or technology, CSS3, you know, how much do you actually have to explain to people about, you know, browser differences and, you know, I'm going to use this particular technology, but it may not work in this browser or, you know, how much do you have to kind of like lay out? Um, and then some of the other questions are about this, the experience side that we provide, you know, how do you, how do you kind of package up your services so that it becomes an experience rather than you just working for someone? So that was really good. And I thought we'd talk about some of those things on the show today. Cool. But first, public service announcement. Yeah. Um, so I found a, an article by Free Agent. Um, we should really get them back to sponsor the show. because We really ought to get them back on the show. About them. Uh, they wrote a blog post about um, sort of how to get, how to get invoices paid in time. Um, cause they, they, they sort of collect lots of data from everyone who has free agent account on kind of how, how quickly they send invoices after they've done a timesheet. And they 
done all these graphs. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the, uh, to the article, but they found out that most people wait seven days to send an invoice and about half were sent after a month and 16% of invoices are sent after 60 days. How can that be possible? I guess it's if you've got a cycle or something, um, you know, if you do invoices in a batch, maybe at the end of the month, um, but no, that, that is an awful long time. I mean, we finished off a piece of work today and we'd invoice it two hours later. It really helps with cash flow to just invoice as soon as, as soon as like you've done the work. I'm assuming that free agent collect this data anonymously. It's not in some oh, yeah, kind of yeah. like NSA prism <laughs> style, <laughs> yeah. tapping into your invoices. No, totally. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really interesting post. Um, and they found out that people who um, who sent the invoices kind of immediately or basically the shorter the delay in invoicing, the shorter people had to wait to get paid. Uh, so if you sent the invoice, if you sort of took a week longer to send the invoice, that kind of doubles the time that it takes for your invoice to get paid, which is really kind of really interesting. You know, if, if you think, oh, I'll send it next week, that's going to increase the time that it takes for people to pay you. And they also found out that there was a correlation between how long that you wait for to invoice and your payment terms. Um, so they said that invoices that were sent up to 15 days after finishing the work got paid quickly, even if the payment terms were longer. Um, and they, at the end of the article, they sort of concluded that this was probably because of something called recency, uh, recency bias, which right. is where the client assigns more importance to the invoice uh, because they've just seen the value of the work. So lesson from this is to send invoices promptly. And if you have, if you have to use longer payment terms, it's even more important to send them promptly. And because cash flow is really important. Wow. I can't believe I'm still stunned that people wait 60 days to send an invoice. Mm. I mean, 30 days is long enough. What possible excuse can you have for not? Because then you've got to wait another, you know, up to 30 days for that to get paid. What are your payment terms? Uh, on receipt. Yeah, so so are ours. And I do send them. I, I send them because um, I do weekly kind of timesheets and I invoice weekly. So I send it at the end of the week. The weekly thing was one of the topics that people really wanted to find out more about when I was talking about this in uh, in Germany this week. Oh, yeah. Because um, it, it just makes accounting um and it makes credit control like this so much easier doesn't it yeah you know, you've got you've got like a block that you can track really easily and just um, the the cash flow thing i mean you know when you're running a business cash flow is so important if you if you're kind of waiting every month for for money to, to be paid in your account that's um you know that if that payment doesn't go through if for whatever reason then you're probably in a lot more trouble than if you were getting paid every week mm. and it didn't come through after seven days. I mean, we've been working with clients every single week this year so far. Uh, there's not been a single week where we haven't had one thing on. Yeah, same. Um, and we are, I think the only thing that we are owed right now, because I wanted to find this out when I got home the other day, the only thing that we're owed is the revenue from that workshop that I did on Tuesday. Mm. Completely every single other thing um, is paid up to date. 
because you know you can just look at it and know um you know how many days out you are and i suppose if you do use free agent then and we do you know what we decided to do because sue was um complaining well i complained the other day but um a few of our freelancers uh use free agents yeah and I don't know whether it's a developer thing, but they haven't really customized their invoices very much. So she finds it a bit confusing when she, you know, to, to, at a glance anyway, to know, you know, which one's from one and which one's from another. Um, but it just kind of drove it home how much other people are using free agent. Yeah. And, I mean, you can you know, customize them. You can, you can, it's, it's on CSS. So like you can customize the invoices completely, but. Yeah, I, I'm a bit lazy. I don't do that. So yours are going to probably going to look like everybody else's. Yeah, but, but no, it's still it's, a nice it, template. It's nice and easy to read. Yeah, no, it's something. So what we've decided to do um, is we've decided to actually have a free agent day. Yay! Where we're going to you know sign up because it's a free account. I seem to remember, mm. and we're going to sign up and we're going to port a load of things over to it. I'm just going to give it a go for a little while. Yeah, um, which I think you know no promises, but I think that. That's probably the you know the best and the easiest way to to get started with things. I tell you what else I'm getting trying to get started with today, and I'm just amazed that I've never done this before. Evernote. Oh yeah. Do you use Evernote? Yeah. See, I've never used it. Never used it. So, I mean, Sue was collecting recipes because you know we're going to go on a holiday, and she likes to kind of gather stuff for for the holiday. You know, recipes and you know trip ideas and that kind of stuff. And I said. There must be an easier way than just kind of like leaving them in your inbox or, you know, mm. printing it, printing them out to PDF. And then I was like, ah, isn't that what Evernote's for? So we're going to start working on that as well. So I'm very behind on all this stuff. <laughs> Evernote's really nice now. I, I, I used to use it and I, I just kind of resented it because it was, the interface was just so kind of difficult to use and they've made a lot of changes recently and it's, it's a lot better and I just need to kind of, I need to really get into using it a lot more. Um, I'm kind of a bit scatterbrained at the moment with things all over the place, but yeah. Now I know Alex just swears by it. He said that he can't live without it. For, yeah. You know, for collecting stuff. But uh, yeah, so that's another thing I need to get cracking with. I just always worry that that sort of thing's going to go away. You know, mm. if, if Evernote goes away, then all my stuff's kind of tied in there. Oh, speaking of, do you still use RSS for anything? Not really. Uh, right, because I need to export all of my um, Google reader feeds um, before the reader apocalypse on Monday. So by the time this show goes out, I think Google reader will be no more. Will be sunsetted. I get all my news, all my you know blog updates still from RSS. I mean, in my feed list, I still have people that haven't written a damn blog post in five years. <laughs> Um, I saw the, the blog post that Dave Shea from the CSS Zen Garden um, wrote about the 10-year anniversary of the Zen Garden, mm -hmm. and it popped up in my RSS feed. It's like, blimey, and it's been five years between blog posts, <laughs> something like that, that Dave's done. Um, but that's how, I, that's how I've been, you know, I've always got my, my news that way, you know, right be before Twitter, and that was how we kept up with everybody. Um, Are you and moving I just, to something new? I'll probably try to import it into whatever the best service is that starts, um, you know, between now and Monday. But I need it to integrate with Reader on my iPhone. 
uh, which has just gone free, by the way. They've just, um, they've just made it a free product. Um, but that's the only place I read news is on my iPhone in reader. That's how I read RSS. So I need to, uh, I need to get that sorted out by Monday. We should talk about our first sponsor. Yeah. So our sponsor this week is Perch. And I know we talk about Perch quite a lot, but and I, I get that learning a new CMS is kind of scary. If you're busy with client projects, you probably find it hard to find the time to get familiar with one that you've not used before, or even just to find out whether it's suitable for the type of site that you're building. So I'm really excited that Perch have just launched three online demonstration sites for their CMS so that you can get a better feel for whether Perch is the right CMS for you. So you pop in your email address and they send you a link to your own hosted demo and you can see what it's like to use Perch without needing to build an entire site just to try it out. You can log into the admin area and tweak all the content in it too. So one site shows the bare bones content editing without too much styling applied. The second is a more fully built corporate site, and that was designed by our guest co-host, Laura Cowbag. Woo! Woohoo! <laughs> and the last one uses lots of free add-ons to show a site with a blog, members section, events, diary, and so on. And that site was designed by Paddy Donnelly of Left. He does some great stuff. I'm a big fan of his work. All of the demos are responsive and the code for the pages and templates used is on GitHub so you can have a look and see for yourself how they were built. They've also put up a new video tutorial showing how the culprit demo site was built, starting from installing Perch right through to adding the blog and forms. The videos that they do are always really great. Perch has come a long way over the past few years, so the example sites are also a great way to see what's changed since you last looked. All the code is available on GitHub, which I'll be using as a reference for my projects to see how different types of site with different content have been implemented with Perch. I also like that having the add-ons available in the demo also means that if a client wants to see how an add-on works before I install it, they can see the admin experience via the demo. So yeah, anyway, that's Perch and I really recommend it if you have a look through all the demos at grabaperch.com forward slash unfinished so you can see what we talk about for yourself. That sounds really good. We have just, uh, we're just about to launch a client site that's been built on Perch. I haven't used it personally. I haven't, uh, I haven't done the development, but I really want to see because I, I did, took a sneaky peeky look at the admin mm-hmm. for this new site just to see how one or two things have been put together. Um, and so much has changed yeah. since the last site that I developed on it personally, which was like, I don't know, six months ago. Um, and it's so much has changed in there. I mean, the whole blog, um, engine, which is there looks fantastic. Uh, so again, what we're going to do is we're going to have a perch day in the office <laughs> and we're all, everybody, um, we're all going to learn perch. We're all going to have a, a really good kind of, in fact, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, redevelop one of our sites using Perch and then yeah, that would be a great exercise. Mm, we'll probably do something do. like hardboard web design or one of the, you know, the old sites that's knocking around for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do that just so that we can really get familiar with it. Because, you know, sometimes it's not about knowing how to do something. It's just about knowing that something is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, knowing 
what all the add-ons can do um, so that we can, you know, make sure that, and we can suggest purchase potential clients mm. knowing that, you know, it's going to do exactly what we need it to do. Um, that's really, really useful. I was listening to their podcast today um, and I'm just kind of overwhelmed by how much they've added. Like every week they'll mention all the new features that they've put in it. And it's kind of like, ooh. <laughs> ooh yeah, they work really that. hard on it. They do. They do. They deserve success. They work really, really hard on it. Um, oh, so, so like yeah. the funny content that they've put in the demo site. So um, one of the sites is called Swift Migrations, um, which kind of goes with the bird theme. Um, and the other one is called Nest Running Club. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Rachel and running and broken elbows. <laughs> She's still doing Elbow it. Gags in there. Yeah, I know. I know. It's amazing. Hasn't put her no, it's amazing. I don't understand how people can be so fit. I can't do a minute's worth of star jumps without falling over. It's Laura and Rachel and Ashley. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> I just need a pork pie and I'm happy. I just, I just that's look at their status updates and I, and I feel like that's work out enough. Yeah, I think that I'm going to try to. Uh, I'm going to be like Zeldman and do you know body training or whatever body training with Jill. <laughs> That thing is, I, thing. every time I do kind of any sort of physical ex- exercise, I come back and just like, oh, I have to eat lots of food now because I'm so kind of hungry. And I probably take in more calories than I've burnt. Okay, so, so this, I don't so see much point in doing it. The secret thing is, is that <laughs> I did my session yesterday and came back up into the office just to kind of check email and stuff and went, fell asleep in the chair immediately <laughs> boom straight i mean boom, two hours and i'm out like a light and uh, i woke up and there's nobody else around and i was ravenously hungry <laughs> i just had this like if, whatever is the first thing that i can get my hands on i'm gonna eat and i'm just gonna like wolf it down the cat <laughs> fortunately malaki's cat was not around at this point but a peanut butter and banana sandwich was oh. So, yeah, I think that I probably took in more calories with a peanut butter and banana sandwich than I burnt off in a minute of star jumps. Um, but I was just, wow, needed to eat something. <laughs> do you normally have peanut butter and banana sandwiches? Yeah, do you not like that? It just sounds weird. No, it's great. And do you know what else is really nice? Peanut butter and strawberry jam in the same sandwich. That's peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich, exactly. Delish. Hmm. Anyway, back to Germany, where I did eat things I shouldn't have eaten. Fried schnitzel. Um, A lot of people were asking about how we do estimating and billing and scheduling. So I talked about our agile process, the weekly thing. Um, And I I need to write more about this. I need to kind of work out some kind of formal thinking behind it because we just do it you know it's not like we kind of put any real theory behind it we just kind of do it but everybody else is like wow that's a really you know different way of working um so i'm not sure what i'm going to do with that yet maybe i should sort of you know write some articles or maybe a little book maybe a little book about project management oh do it's like a five simple steps but something like that i mean the thought's not escaped me is it, um, do you actually do agile? Like, do you do all of the kind of methodology around it? No, not really. I mean, you know, you'll never find a burn down chart anywhere yeah. or what's the other one? Are they Gantt charts? Something like that. 
Um, and no, we don't, we don't get into that kind of formal project management stuff. It's very much, um, we break projects down into a week because it's easy for the client to just focus on a small piece of the work rather than like the bigger picture. Um, and, you know, if you start something on a Monday and finish it on a Friday, they get this sort of sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Where they can see that actually the project's taking shape and you're covering a lot of ground. Whereas, you know what it's like with, with larger projects, sometimes they're a bit shapeless. Um, and it's quite difficult for somebody just looking in from the outside to go, yeah, well, okay, you know, we're 20% through or 50% through or 80% through. Um, so it, it does help to structure a project. And then the other thing that it does is it focuses everybody's attention on making sure that we have what we need when we need it. Mm. So, you know, in advance, the client knows that, you know, next week we're going to be working on a shopping cart. So they need to make sure that we have all of the, you know, product fields or something like that. So that helps. And, you know, we do do certain agile bits in there. You know, we do start off the week with a planning meeting um, and we do try to have a, a product owner which is always somebody at the client end um, because that that gives them a kind of a sense of ownership. And then every day we have our sort of daily stand-up meeting, which is usually sitting down because we're on Skype. Could stand up, I suppose. <laughs> um, so we do that every day. And, every, and at the end of each sprint, which is usually on a Friday afternoon, we'll do a recap and a handover. So it's kind of agile in shape. But it's not traditionally, you know, it's not strictly kind of agile or strictly scrum. Yeah, but it's not waterfall. But it's not waterfall. Um, and it's funny because we're working for um, an agile scrum specialist doing design work at the moment. And I'm hoping that I can learn a little bit more about the the details of it. Because, um, you know, you read a lot, but it's it's not just about, you know, the methodology and it being a formal process. You know, you want, I want to take the little bits that work for us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get bogged down in, you know, another process. I, I just want it to, you know, streamline. Oh, I just cut through all the rubbish so that you can concentrate on designing, which is, you know, what I want to do. Mm. I find Agile kind of daunting when you do it completely by the book. Um, it makes a lot of sense in a, in a big team. Um, like I'm working at the moment with big team and, and they do, you know, pretty hardcore agile and, you know, all of the stories on the wall saying, as a user, I would like to be able to do this. And, um, every kind of task is, is a story. Um, and there's cycles and, you know, it, it makes sense, but it does take a kind of, if you're not used to that, um, workflow. It, it can seem kind of um, like it gets in the way. But after a few weeks, it, it does make sense. I, I've just found it kind of um, kind of daunting and kind of difficult to, to get into. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would be if we were working on a properly agile project. Um you know, where somebody else was kind of in control of all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that someone else is in control of it. I wouldn't want to be the one kind of leading it. But um, I think with the sort of team size and with the project, it makes complete sense to run it that way. But it's just, if you're not used to it, I think it can be a bit, um, a, a bit difficult. 
Mm, I just find that working that way helps to manage clients' expectations a little better. Mm. And particularly, you know what it's like? You'll have a brief for something. You know, they'll give you a brief for a design and you'll work on it, even if it's for a set period of time. And, you know, with the best will in the world, people are like, oh, well, actually, that's not quite what I had in mind. Could you change that? You know, could we work on that? And before too long, you know, you've ended up spending, you know, one and a half or twice the amount of time on something that, you know, that it was allocated. Yeah. Um, and I always use this phrase. It's, um, you know, it's, you know, and I say this to clients too. It's, you know, you've got to be careful that you don't outstay your welcome <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it is important that everybody sticks to a time scale. Um, and working in that way really focuses people's attention on the fact that, you know, there is a finite amount of time that, you know, we can spend on something without having to then, you know, recalculate the, the project. And, you know, if we recalculate the project, we're recalculating the costs as well. Yeah. So it does help to really uh, manage expectations. And you always know where you are, I think, when you have kind of regular cycles, um, you know, whether it's weekly or daily, you, you kind of, you know exactly what's coming up and what you've done. So if someone asks, you know, how close are we to completion? You can say, well, we've got this ahead of us next week. We're doing this. Um, it just feels a lot more, a lot more organized. People probably look less stressed than if, everything's kind of pushed to the last minute. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's a team effort working that way. I mean, you know, maybe it's just not strictly agile or scrum or whatever, but I still do this even when it's just me working on a project. You know, I'll, st I'll be explaining it and structuring everything to the client um, in that way. Hmm. You know, so there's not other people that are contributing stuff. You know, it's just mainly me and the client. There might only be two people, but at least at least it kind of puts these um, these boxes around um, parts of the project. Um, and you can say, yeah, there are, you know, there are four boxes in this project and I've done two of them. Mm. You know, and by the time that we start doing the third one, you need to give me this. And, you know, it works for us. Maybe I should just um, sit and actually formalise some of this stuff, you know, turn it into a little bit of a... Um, a bit of an essay or an article or something. It'd be interesting to see what other people um, have to, you know, have to say about that. Yeah. I tell you what, the other thing that um, that people were asking the other night at this meetup was, how much do I explain certain things to clients? Um, and it used to be, you know, back in the day, it used to be, oh, how do you how how do you persuade your clients to do CSS layouts? How do you, I mean, it sounds stupid now, doesn't it? Mm. But that was a big issue. It was like, wow, until there were things like, you know, the wide redesign and, you know, some of the other uh, big redesigns of the day, you know, it really was the fact that you'd have to kind of convince a client that the project was going to be uh, made with CSS rather than, you know, table layouts. And now this, the same, we're having exactly the same conversation about responsive design. I mean, we don't have to convince clients that we're going to do a responsive design because, you know, we do responsive by default and we make it very, very clear at the outset. In fact, most people are coming to us because they want something responsive rather than, you know, us having to, you know, persuade them. Yeah, um, I've had the same, you know, doing responsive by default basically since I learned about it and um, never had problems. You know, either I don't sort of tell the client that way 
until the end. So like, oh, I've built it in this way. And they're always happy that it does that. Um, yeah, I just think that sometimes if you have to kind of think that you have to sit down and explain everything to somebody and get their agreement about whether or not it's going to be you know, responsive or not, you're just going to tie yourself up in knots. Yeah. So I just never do. I mean, even if the client just came along and they didn't mention anything to do with responsive design, um, they would get one. Um, and I don't feel like I have to justify that just in the same way that I don't have to justify, um, how I make my grids or how I make my color or my typeface choices. It, it's just, you know, part of hiring somebody for their expertise. So I just, I just don't ever feel, I, I never felt even back in the day that I needed to, um, justify or ask permission it's to like, I, I feel like use it's, some kind of technology i feel like it's like accessibility um that's something that i don't kind of I, i've not really approached a client said do you want me to make this website as accessible as i can you know it's it's kind of assumed that you're going to do that and if you start asking about it or if you treat it as kind of an add-on that can be taken away I don't think like I'd be doing my job properly. Mm. I just don't think that you need to over explain something. You know, I don't, I don't want to know everything about, you know, how my plumber works, (laughs) you know, as long as the pipes don't leak, I'm happy. Um, And I just, I think that we only need to mention or explain enough just so that we set the right expectations um, and so that things don't get in the way that are going to stop us from doing our job properly. Mm. You know, you don't want somebody to come back and, and request something which, you know, is so far off base that, you know, it's actually going to derail what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but if it's not going to do that, then keep your mouth shut. I mean, people always say oh, about, they use this phrase, educating clients. It's like, oh, do you educate your clients about responsive design or do you educate your clients about accessibility? It's like, no, I've got enough to be doing, <laughs> building and designing the website that they're paying me to do. You know, educating them is not my, is not my job. You know, if they want to go and learn about responsive design, then there's a million references and I'll go and point them in that direction. But it's not my job to do that. Because, mm. you know, people get confused i think between you know educating clients and explaining things so that they will let you do something a certain way and maybe kind if of I had selling a job, it to them yeah exactly even though it's not something that they kind of i know yeah i just don't think that you know we're in the business of, of educating clients so i've found that the best thing to do is to just select the best clients at the beginning you know and rule out people that aren't aren't in the, in, in the right frame. Um, well, I mean, what we do is we kind of outline our working process, even that, um, even the agile side of things, we'll start talking about clients with clients right at the very beginning. So they know that we're not just going to be working away for four weeks and then giving them a bunch of PSDs. Um, you know, we'll explain that process to them right at the beginning. And, you know, maybe we'll even pitch it sometimes as an advantage, Mm. You know, I, I want to, you know, explain to them how, you know, we might work faster or more efficiently than, you know, somebody else that they might choose because we do that method of working. 
And then, you know, we build it into the details. You know, we build it into all the estimates. We build it into the contracts. Everything's laid out in a contract. So, you know, you shouldn't have to do any, um, any explaining or justifying at that point. You can just get on with the job. Have you ever had a client ask you, oh, can you build this with HTML5, please? Oh, yeah. I find that weird. It's kind of, so, well, of course. But a lot of the particularly local government organisations that you get requests for proposals from, they have just a shopping list. And it's quite obvious a lot of the time that they just cut and paste it from somewhere else because you can, you can pick up on the little patterns. Mm. Um, mobile friendly, you start to see in a lot of, um, in a lot of these RFPs. So, you know, they will have, they will just put in, um, you know, must be HTML5 without having the faintest idea what that actually means. Mm. Um, and yeah, some, sometimes you get that kind of stuff because, you know, people have heard a buzzword. Um, you know, they might have seen or read something and they think, oh, next time I have a website, it needs to be HTML5 because, you know, that's what all the cool kids are doing. I guess they treat it as a completely separate thing to, to HTML. I don't know. I mean, you know, most of the time, um, certainly the people that, you know, some of the people anyway that we've worked with in the past, um, the technology is irrelevant. You know, whether it's HTML4 or 5 or XHTML, do you know what? It really doesn't matter for that online store. Mm. You know, it really isn't going to make a blindest bit of difference. And, you know, it's just that they've seen something or read something and it's found its way into a brief. Um, but I've been thinking a lot over the last sort of couple of weeks and, you know, some of, some of the questions that came up at this meetup the other night, um, got me thinking about it again. Um, in terms of, you know, actually, what are we selling? You know, what are we exchanging for money when we work with people, whether we're designing or developing? You know, are we just giving them pixels? and code um or are we giving them something else are we actually um should we actually be thinking much more about providing an experience to them um and by that i mean you know if somebody hires you they're not just hiring you because they need a website um, and your job is just not to deliver that website it's to meet certain expectations and and certain goals right so the client just doesn't want a new website because, you know, they don't like the look of the old one, although actually that does happen. <laughs> um, they're hopefully doing it because they want to see an increase in business. They want to get more signups. They want to sell more products, something like that. Yeah. So it's our job to, you know, deliver code and deliver designs that meet that objective. But, and I think this is where a lot of people fall down is that they don't think about the thing that we're also selling at the same time which is the experience of working with us and you know yeah because people can people can have a horrible experience and still um and still get the same objectives or they can have a really great experience um and you know just in terms of um how we deal with issues, how we communicate, um, the information that we provide and the way that we provide it. Really, you know, it's about um, 
it's about selling yourself in a way. It's about selling us um, through the experience of building something rather than just using that as, uh, you know, as like an added extra. Do you get what I mean? Uh, kind of. I mean, it's not like web design is a commodity. Um, you know, it's not like electricity. You don't have to um, kind of brand yourself in a in a certain way because everyone's just going to be choosing based on price. Um, so I think it is important to, to kind of, to sell yourself as much as you sell the things that you make. Um, but I think a lot of the time clients are looking for kind of, um, either they're looking for someone to come in and, um, not just, not just rebuild their site, but also to, um, to influence the people in the company to follow, uh, to sort of, so that when you, when you hand the site over, they'll be able to maintain that, you know, ed- educating the, the people who work there about web design and best practices. And I think that's kind of, that's, that's how I've always worked. I mean, what I mean really is, you know, at the end of the day, what's the difference between me and the guy down the road? Mm. Now, you know, we're both going to provide hopefully a great design. Uh, we're both going to provide hopefully really good code um and we're both going to hopefully solve the problem that the client asked us to solve in the first place you know yeah. getting more signups selling more t-shirts whatever it happens to be um so actually what's the difference between me and him well the difference is the experience that people have when they work with you and you know we're actually in the business of providing great experiences for people and you know that's the thing that's going to make them want to recommend us to other people so we get more business um and i think that you know we spend so much time designing for other people and building experiences for other people and sometimes we forget that we need to do that for ourselves as well Do you get my? Do you get what I mean? Am I just barking up the wrong tree? Uh, I kind of do. Uh, I'm not sure it's so much experience, like making it a good client experience. You know, they're not gonna. Clients aren't gonna. You're not gonna win a pitch on that until you're actually doing, doing the work. Um, no, you're not gonna. You're not gonna necessarily win a pitch, but you can bring that into a pitch. You know, it's about. It's I guess about... You, you can kind of you you can retain customers and you can. Um, you can get good referrals because referrals are the most important kind of way to market yourself or they're the most important way to get work. Well, they're the most important way of getting you past that first stage, but they're not actually that much good at getting you the work. You know, once you're in the room, you have to stand on your own two feet. Mm. Um, they, they get you past that kind of awful kind of pitching uh, t- tendering process, maybe, you know, if the client's got 10 people that, you know, might be in the list, um, and he's heard of you always been, you've been recommended to him, then, you know, you're going to be head and shoulders above the next guy, yeah. but you've still got to perform when you get into that first meeting. You still got to perform when you get into that pitch. 
Um, and actually, yeah, yeah, sure, you should be making a, a really good client experience all the way through. You know, you should communicate well and, you know, the experience of working with you should be a good one. Yeah. But you have to find some way of actually selling that idea, selling that difference to the client before they've given you the job, you know, as a reason to give you the job. Um, and a lot of people forget that. A lot of people think, well, you know, I can write good code. You know, I can do good CSS. You know, I'm a great designer. But that's only half the story. Mm. Yeah, Did you see... Some people are uh, kind of a bull late to work with. Yeah. And, and uh, do you know what? It's actually okay to be a bull late to work with, as long as it's a good overall experience. It's really funny. I had an email from uh, a client today saying... um you know, had we remembered to do a fav icon? These are the kind of emails that I get on a Friday. Mm. Had we had we remembered to do a fav icon for the new site? And uh, so I wrote back and I said, not only have we remembered to do the new fav icon, we've also produced icons for all of the iOS devices so that yeah. the icon's going to look fantastic when you add it to the home screen of your iPad or your iPhone. And then I remembered, and uh, and I just put in brackets, ah, oh, damn, you've used a BlackBerry. <laughs> With a little kind of smiley face. You know, it's okay to be cheeky, and it's okay to sometimes be a little bit, um, not antagonistic, do you know what I mean? A little bit kind of grumpy. You know, designers, it's okay to be grumpy. Yeah, um, but it's, it's little touches like that where you've, you know, you've already done something, you don't have to be asked to do it. You just know it's coming because you've, you've, you've done it so many times before. Just things like that. that yeah, think. well, that's all about the kind of personality as well. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you really want to be bringing into, um, I know, just designing this experience. You know, what, what are people going to be seeing or reading or hearing in the time between they, them speaking to you? You know, what are you, what are you doing in terms of, um, you know, when somebody fills in an inquiry form on the website um, and there's that lovely little message that comes back to say, you know, thanks for getting in touch. We'll be back to you shortly. What are you giving? You're just leaving them in limbo until you pick up the phone. Um, so it's just about designing that and selling that idea and just making it so that people just want to go, wow, you know, I want to work with you. You really do understand, um, you know, what I'm about, even if you don't, even if you really don't. Yeah, I guess you 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 want to you want to come across as professional and that you're on the ball and you're not gonna kind of just leave them hanging. Do you watch Mad Men? I watched the first series. Okay, so it's on the season six finale was on uh, this week, and I won't give, I won't give it away because are you going to watch the rest of them or are you just bored? Because mm. I know a lot of people gave up on Mad Men kind of after season three. They yeah. got a little bit kind of. Yeah, a little five, bit harder five to watch. More seasons, that's that's a lot. It's a commitment. Yeah. But it is it is worth it. I mean, this season's been really quite interesting. The way that they write Don um has been really, really interesting. Um and it hasn't turned out the way that I expected it to turn out. Um and the characters, you know, have been up and down and up and down. But it's really, really good. So anyway, he does this pitch. Because they're now part, I won't give it away, but they're now part of this big agency. And he does a pitch to Hershey Chocolates. Mm. Um, and this is a company that doesn't advertise, 
but has got $10 million to spend. Um, and they've requested a meeting. So, you know, they're basically in the agency's in pitch mode. And Don stands up there and does this amazing show, um, where, you know, he tells this story about how Hershey bar is the advert in itself. And, you know, he can remember being a child and he'd mow the lawn. And, you know, when he's finished mowing the lawn, his dad would like ruffle his hair and give him a Hershey bar. And <laughs> it would be this symbol of the love that they shared, oh. this kind of thing. And the guys from Hershey are like, they've really bought into this story that, you know, they've really, really bought into this, uh, this yarn that Don's told them. Um, and then he sits down and his hands are shaking a bit. And then he tells them the truth in the meeting surrounded by everybody else. He tells them that he was brought up in a whorehouse as an orphan and that the woman that raised him, she would let him go through her client's pockets looking for change. And if he found a dollar, he could buy a Hershey bar. And it was like this completely different story <laughs> that obviously the guys from Hershey did not want to hear. They were like, what can we advertise that? Um, and obviously everything blows up at that point. But, you know, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing the whole time. We're selling an idea where it's just like advertising, what, but we're advertising ourselves. Um, and we're not doing it in some kind of crass way. We're doing it through the experience um, of working with us, you know, making that experience a really good one. And you can sell that at the beginning. Um, and that's what's going to differentiate you between, you know, some kind of, you know, automated thing or, you know, bedroom warrior. But I guess don't make up stories. Don't make up stories, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, this is what the point I'm trying to make is, this is kind of finish this off, is that it's not about the work. This is what I've realised this week. It's not about just about the work. You're putting on a show. Like this one. But, no, you're putting on a show. Um, and some people might think that that's just superficial, but it's just part of selling the idea. Because we get asked all the time, you know, how do you go about getting your business? Well, that's how you go about getting your business. You sell a story and people buy it. Hershey bars are disgusting. Do you know what? I really don't like Hershey bars. No. I have realised, <laughs> sorry, Anna, but you're going to get really fed up with this. I have actually started looking on the back of all the stuff that I used to eat. It's like there was almost 500 calories in a king-size Snicker bar. That doesn't mean anything to me. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's like a fifth of the calories in a whole day. That's a challenge. It's a thousand calories. Half of what you should eat in a day in a king size family bar of dairy milk. Mm. I know. I would eat one of those on a plane on my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not anymore, I don't. So we should wrap it up. Oh, I was enjoying talking about chocolate. Oh, do you know what? You're going to make me hungry, though, because I can't have chocolate anymore. I used to be like Billy No, no chocolate. Mates. Billy No Mates. And I would, Maltesers were my downfall. Oh. And I would I would go and stay away like my weeks at WIPO. They're just air. There's 470 calories in a family bag of Maltesers. And family I can bag? hoover them up. Yeah, not the little bag. What's the point in that? <laughs> like how all the family bags saying, for sharing. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like hell they are. <laughs> it's like when you go to the cinema. And I might go and see World War Z this weekend. That sounds good. I'm not so keen on the Superman movie. 
don't think I'm going to go see Man of Steel. But you know how it's like you take a family grab bag of sweets or something to the cinema? Mm. It's like, man, I'm not showing those. <laughs> it's like you can have your own M&Ms. These are mine. <laughs> it's really grumpy. We did. We went to the cinema, as uh, I think it was last year, and we do this thing where we stop off in the shop beforehand and then try and smuggle the food in. Oh, yeah. So you don't get ripped off. And I'm wearing this big coat and I've got a bag <laughs> of Doritos. This is how I got fat. Got a big bag of cheesy Doritos under my coat. Oh my god! And, I, and I'm walking through the through the gate where you check your ticket with a guy, and it's like crunch, crunch. crunch. <laughs> and uh, he makes some comment about you know, do you realise that you know you're not allowed to bring food into the <laughs> cinema, sir? And with a completely straight face and a coat full of Doritos, I just went, "This is all me." <laughs> I walked off. What was he going to do? He's not going to search me. Anyway, so we're in there. We're watching something. And we're in there. And there's one little spotlight that stays on above us for like the whole movie. Oh. And I don't know whether it was just like a broken light or whether actually there was somebody. Let's leave it on there. Make them suck those Doritos. (laughs) Not crunching them. (laughs) Oh. Oh, dear. We should wrap it up. Yeah. So you can email me, she has at unfinished.pz, and Andy, he's he has at unfinished.pz. Or you can email us both at they have at unfinished.pz. All the links that we mentioned in this episode are in our show notes, and you can find them at unfinished.bz forward slash 25. To ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Perch the little content management system for projects where you don't want a big, complex CMS. You can support the show by supporting them by going to grabaperch.com forward slash unfinished and click on the demo in the homepage. And we have sponsor slots available over the coming weeks and months if you'd like to put your product or service in front of thousands of discerning geeks. See you next week. See you next week.